Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Because you found out about me fighting the government or whatever, maybe, I don't know what you thought. You know, some people think I'm some political activist or some rabble-rouser or jerk for Jesus or whatever. And Yeah. Okay, if that's you, you can leave. That's not me. I'm, I believe in the church. That's why I got in the fight. I did not think that the church was okay to be called non-essential. Amen. Calling the bride of Jesus non-essential. You could not slap me in the face harder. That was my fight. My fight was for the necessity and the essentiality for the bride. And here's what breaks my heart yet still today. In the blue states in our nation, that we did what we did. You and I together, we went and fought the government and won. And, and, and because of what we started, every single church in every single state, except for New York City and a little bit state of California, although they're pretty much rebellion, rebelling. So... Almost every church in the nation is open. And every church in the blue states are open because of what we started. Legally, now hold on. So, so you're ready for your heart to break? In the blue states? Only about 10% of the churches are actually physically open. so let me, I can say this, 90% of the pastors of the churches in the blue states don't believe in the church. And we wonder why the government treats us like a redheaded stepchild and sweeps us under the rug. You know what the solution to a pandemic is? the church you know what the solution to the rising suicide rates is the church you know what the solution to race wars is the church a place where people come and they don't give a rip what color you are give a rip what country or state you came from most ignorant thing that I think that our world has been infected by is racism. It is literally, it takes a special kind of stupid to be racist. A special stupid. You have to be taught stupid to believe in that kind of stupidity. 
at least in the church. Like, I get it that the world's jacked up. They'll find anything to, to like, oh, you got long hair, I'm going to kill you. Like, they, they'll find anything to kill each other over. But in the church, the color of the dirt that you're made of, to fight about the color of the dirt, that... I don't even, I don't have a grid for that. Like, thank God I grew up colorblind because we grew up super, super, super. I'm a professional orator. Wait till you get up here. We grew up super poor, and so we grew up in, in projects and mobile home courts and, and whatever, jacked up places, and so we grew up super rainbow. And I didn't know color until someone pointed it out and then i even then i was like well so what's the you know i'm like i'm just mad that those guys tend to be faster than me <laughs> still mad about it a little bit like god gave black folks extra muscles in their legs or something like just to make up for the way that stupid white people were going to treat them the fact to argue over the color of the dirt that a hundred years from now, if you open up the whitest white casket and the blackest black casket a hundred years from now, and we're going to fight about that. Melatonin? We're going to fight about melatonin. A chemical in your skin. That's a special kind of stupid. The solution to that is for people who are born again who understand that we are something that's on the inside and not something that's on the outside. Amen. You're not going to find that in, a, in any other environment. If you go to some other environment and they are doing some kind of a unity or whatever, they're doing it from the natural. They're kind of faking it. I've been in those meetings. It, they're ugly. It's just plastic. It's, it's just plastic. This is real. This skin is an organ. I don't know if you know this or not. Where's my nurses? Deborah, this is an organ. This is, this is one of your organs. It's just an external organ. I have a heart. It's an internal organ. Does anybody know what the color of my heart is? Nope. You ain't never seen it. And you never will. You know why we don't have racism about the color of people's hearts? Because I'll guarantee you that everybody's heart in here is probably a different shade of whatever. And it's all dark in there anyway, so... Ain't nobody fighting over that. Well, is your heart a little bit less red or tan or whatever color muscle is? No, we're fighting over an external organ. You for real? In 2020, with the science that we have, that we know this is an organ. I get it 300 years ago, they didn't know it was an organ, they thought it was something important. We're wise enough for this. <laughs> Man. I, I, I could do this literally like all week. Because the stupidity that's involved with racism goes off the charts. No child was ever born a racist. You have to teach and you have to be on purpose about it. You don't even accidentally teach racism. 
You have to be on purpose. Because kids just want to... <laughs> kids want to play. If you give them a playmate, they don't care if he's black, white, got three legs and a tail, whatever, let's play. You got to teach them, like, no, don't play with them. Why? Because they're different. A kid sees difference like, hey, my friend's different. And then the parents come along because they're super wise and they're way more intelligent. They come along and say, no, difference is bad. And then we wonder why the body of Christ, you know, we all try to conform. That's what religion, that's what religion tries to teach you. It's to conform, it's to lock you down, it's to put God in a box, it's to put you in a box and keep everything all organized. That's right. It's control. And here's the amazing part. Probably about, as of right now, probably about 100,000 people across the United States have called us a cult. (laughs) And I'm literally preaching against control, which is the, the definition of cult. The actual denominational churches who try to control people and hold them and do all the stuff to them and make them whatever are calling us a cult. Are you following me? Like, you're in the, one of the freest places you'll ever be. People literally come up to me and say, Pastor, what should I do? It's not my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to teach you how to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. And it's His job to tell you what to do. So if, if you're going to like call me and say, what do I need to do about the thing with the stuff? I'll be like, I don't know, let's pray. Because I, I don't do that. I don't tell people what to do. I don't even tell my staff what to do. They get mad sometimes. Well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. You better pray. <laughs> if you mess this up, the whole church will go down. So don't mess it up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It's the same thing. Uh, it's the same thing as this. Like when they tend to name call whatever they're name calling. Just so you know, like this is this is a proven not only spiritual reality but this is also proven psychological reality whatever people blame other people of they usually are so when people are calling people racists you ever heard when you're a kid you ever said when you point your finger at someone you got three pointing back at you that it's kind of true spiritually and it's kind of true soulishly that whenever you point at someone i see this all the time um, when I'm doing marriage counseling with folks, is that the, one of them will say, well, well, she always... And I'm just letting you know, like, if you happen to sit in any of my marriage counseling, um, this, will be a good, this will be a good reason for you to never have to go to marriage counseling. So get your marriages right. You don't have to come see me. When, whenever I'm just like, well, she and he and... And I'm always like, okay, so really what you're saying is... Now I know. If I have a problem with K, those of you that know K, you, you'll totally understand this. If I have a problem with K, I have a problem. The people that are laughing and smiling at me know K pretty well. But if I have a problem with K, I have a problem. Because it ain't K. Amen. If she has a problem with me, it's probably me. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
No, it's her. It, if she has a problem, I gotta, I gotta keep this. I gotta keep this congruent. I don't want to like. Wait a minute. So it's always the guy, usually. Proverbs thirteen ten. You, you want me to fix every relationship in your life right now? Sure. I can fix every single relationship in your life with one half of a verse. Half a verse. I don't even have to use a whole verse. Half a verse. Some, some folks have been with me for a long, long time, and so they know this one. Proverbs 13.10, the first half of Proverbs 13.10 will fix every relationship that you ever have for the rest of your life. Only by pride comes contention. I know everybody's nodding like, oh, yeah, you're right. No, I'm not right. I didn't write it. God wrote it. He knows. Only by pride comes contention. It took me 30 minutes one time to minister. (laughs) They're not here, so I can say this. It took me 30 minutes to convince a person that what this verse was talking about was you and not them. <laughs> I know. Even God knows that they are in pride. Knows. Listen to me. <laughs> Hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Only by your pride. No, I don't have any pride. <laughs> God bless you. This is every problem in every relationship for all of time. And it's been in the Bible for like long time. 3,500 years. Right there. It takes two, does anybody know this? It takes two to tango. Just because someone wants to fight with you don't mean you're in a fight. You can turn the other cheek. Now you're quoting Jesus. I got off track there. But that could heal you. I'll give you another trick. I'm going to give you all my tricks to pastoring. All in one service. And then you'll be like, why are we paying you? I don't know. A lot of your physical problems, those of you that are struggling with physical problems, the physical problem of it is actually just the fruit to the root that's in your soul. If your soul is super crazy, wonderfully healthy and whole and abundant, you are probably not going to have to deal with any physical symptoms. It's not like a standard thing thing, okay? So don't... But I'm saying 90% of the people that I have seen um, healed over time have come from soul healing. That manifests physically. In fact, I'll say this. Of the literal thousands, thousands of people that I have physically laid hands on and seen them instantaneously and miraculously healed. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, I've seen the dead rays, I've seen um, cancers fall off of people. I've seen all of this cool, awesome, amazing stuff that people are like, wow, that stuff doesn't even happen. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's totally normal. 
kingdom normal is way different than world normal. So I've seen thousands of people experience this stuff. But the people that I actually see walk out divine health get what I'm saying right here about the soul. There's a ton, a ton, ton of sick sick people that go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, from evangelist to evangelist to evangelist to evangelist, from preacher to preacher, 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 and they get a dose, and then they get a dose, and then they get a dose, and it's basically like spiritual drug addiction. And they go to the preacher, and they get their drugs, and and God is awesome. He will. Totally manifest healing on your body any single time you come to Him in faith. But if you maintain a healthy soul, then you don't have to... Everybody following me? We, uh, we printed, so I want to give you everybody an opportunity, and I know that you might think like this is, I'm switching, but I'm not. <clears throat> Part of defending your freedom is to know... What freedoms belong to you? Freedom in your physical health belongs to you. Freedom in your soul belongs to you. Freedom in our country as a citizen of this nation belongs to you. Whatever you don't defend can be taken from you. I wish that Americans had the attitude of most mothers. Which is if I walked up to some random kid in Walmart and said, hey, can I borrow your kid for a while? I will have a can of peas coming out the other side of my brain. (laughs) Borrow my kid. (laughs) If we defended our liberties in Christ and as Americans to the degree that we would like defend our children or defend our properties or defend our cars waxing you realize like we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in I have about 16 of these so the first 16 hands get this Steve Castle (laughs) you don't even know what it is (laughs) this is a book of toilet paper oh well today I guess that's yeah (laughs) that's valuable today (laughs) this is a pocket constitution that has a declaration of independence the bill of rights a foreword that I personally have written and a way to connect with uh, Steve Castle Ministries that printed this. This is the first thing that Steve Castle Ministries ever printed. You are getting like edition one. Amen. I was really excited about this because I didn't even have to write it. Like I borrowed it from... Amen. Amen. Yes, I, can, I will autograph them. At, at as much as you want. So did does anybody did anybody not get one that wanted one? There you go. Good hands. All right. Now we're doing like real healing Sunday, and I'm going to do it fast, but it's okay. Everybody looks at the clock when I say fast. I, last time I talked to the clock, it fell down and broke, so I'm not going to say it. Mark chapter 16. If you have a Bible, please open your Bible to Mark chapter 16. If you do not have a Bible, please open your app. If you do not have a Bible or an app, raise your hand right now and we will put a Bible in your hand. Don't you ever leave the house without your sword. Ever. I'm not even talking about coming to church. 
It's kind of it's kind of irritating to me that most Christians will leave their house with their sword to go to church where you don't even need to stick anybody. <laughs> the, the most armed that anybody ever and almost every Christian ever is is when they leave their house Sunday morning to go to church with all the people that love them. Like, I got my sword. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it to work. <laughs> you need to take your Bible to work. You need to take your Bible to all those other... Walmart? If you don't go to Walmart without your Bible, you better put me at speed dial on your phone to come raise you from the dead. Alright, so if you need, if you don't physically have a Bible or a Bible app, raise your hand and we'll give you one. I want you to have it. I want you to see it because people think I make stuff up. Well, that ain't in the Bible. Well, get one. And you can write me nasty emails that I won't read anyway. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared. I don't. I don't read them anymore. If it starts off, well, I'm a Christian and I've got something to tell you. I'm like, delete. I've been cussed out by more Christians in the last eight weeks than I have by the world. Afterward, verse 14, he, Jesus, appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them. Upbraided them is good King James, for he super duper fussed at them. When I was a kid, my grandma would call it a scolding. I didn't know what a scolding was. I always thought like grandma was going to pour hot water on us when we were kids. <laughs> but it was a scolding, which she never did. She always threatened it. Like anybody know grandma's like, they, they can't even pull it off. Like, I'm going to, no, you're not. Just stop. You're not going to do it. He scolded them for Rizzle. Now, if your picture of Jesus is from Sunday school when you were five and he's sitting in the back of the Sunday school room in a pitcher and he's sitting on a rock and he's petting sheep on his lap and being nice to the kiddos. That's cool, but that's only like 1% of Jesus. There's another aspect of the nature of God where that same Jesus that's sitting on a rock petting sheep is the guy sitting on the steps of the temple making a whip. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Matthew chapter 22 and in John chapter 2, twice, Jesus sat down outside of the temple, like the temple, and made a whip. He didn't like go borrow one from the whip guy. He didn't pass by the whip shop and say, well, I might need one of these by the gift of the Spirit. No, he went to the temple, seen what was going on at church, sat down, made a whip, ran folks out of the church. Um, <clears throat> that Jesus, guess how much he cares about the church today? Why do you think I was super passionate about getting into this fight and I knew God had my back? Because the God that did what He did to the temple because of the zeal of thine house consumed Him is the same Jesus that had my back when the zeal for the church in today's world consumed me. 
If Jesus was willing to take a whip and go in and clean out the house, then I knew that he was willing to back me up when I was taking my whip, the First Amendment, to, I won't name names. Afterward, he appeared in 11 and scolded the fire out of them because of their unbelief and, if you get this, you will, uh, you will avoid all of the scoldings in your future. Uh, Jesus still scolds today. He's not mad. He's not angry. He's not going to wrath you. He's not going to zap you with lightning or send you to hell or burn you with flames or give you a cancer or break your leg or do all that terrible dumb stuff that people have accused God of doing. He's not going to put you in a car wreck. He's not going to kill your kid or your spouse. He's not going to... That That is the most carnal and demonic thing that anybody could ever say about God. But he will scold you. He will absolutely scold you. And you know the two reasons he'll scold you? They're right here. So if you avoid these two, never get scolded ever again. It's like me, because I'm perfect. (laughs) Even my wife is hearing me in the nursery right there, and she's like, no way, you can hear. Even my mom's laughing at me, and she knows I'm perfect. Unbelief and hardness of heart. Unbelief is not non-faith. Because I think some people read the word unbelief and they think it's non-faith. It's not. Unbelief is belief in the un. Okay, so let me do it this way. Uh, The Bible says, by his stripes you are healed. Amen. Well, good. The doctor says, by my tests, you are sick. (laughs) Belief. Unbelief. You believe. You, in fact, you fully believe. You believe so much that you will take that report. And the other piece of paper that comes with it called a prescription. And you will go down to a store that you would not otherwise want to go to. And you will walk up to a counter that you don't want to walk up to. You will give them that piece of paper and a ton of money. A ton of money. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I got a prescription plan. Yeah, why do you have a prescription plan? Because you're giving them a ton of money and you decide to spread it out over your lifetime instead of one time. Yeah, that's insurance. (laughs) All of you that are paying for health insurance, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sucks for you. It's a whole lot cheaper to just live divinely healthy. (laughs) Anyway, you'll give them a prescription that you don't want. Give them money that you don't want. You will take pills that you don't want to take. You'll have all this stuff that you don't want to do because you believe what the doctor's tests said. Your belief, your faith has action. By his stripes you are healed. Well, I know the Bible says that, but this is but, this is the Bible says it. You know, you can, you can actually stand here 
And you can be like, ah, I know that those stripes were for this. But my back really hurts. But his back was striped. But my back really hurt. I've had a back problem for 22 years. You can actually stand here and believe and unbelieve at the same time. And these two things are pulling on you. Belief and unbelief can operate in your life at the exact same moment. Let's use this for context. He upbraided them with their unbelief and heart of heart because they didn't believe them which had seen him after he was risen. So people that they were, they were really close to ran up to Peter. I seen Jesus. You seen Jesus. He died. No, but I seen him. He's alive. Well, he did say, but I don't know. Are you following me? So they kind of, they believed and they didn't believe. You can believe and not believe. And the more you start to inch, this is why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is why when the preacher stands up here and tells you that you're a sinner and you're just human and you're going to be sick. I mean, everybody gets sick sometimes. And not every addiction can be broken. And you know, some people just, they carry a burden for their whole life. Sorry for you. And preachers do this. You know why it works well when preachers tell you to be a sinner and be in unbelief? Because you're supposed to believe preachers. So then when I come along and say, well, no. I mean, you can actually be a brand new creation in Christ Jesus that has no addictions, that has no physical ailments, that doesn't have any, any oppression or depression or sorrow. You can beat poverty. You can beat lack. You can, you can live a successful life. You can be prosperous in the things of God. You can have your relationships line up. You can live all of the divine promises that God... You can live here. And you know what the average person says? Stupid prosperity preacher. (laughs) Jesus didn't walk up on any situation that he didn't make a billion times better. And that same Jesus is the one that wants to minister to you. He walks up on a prostitute and they want to kill her. And he says, are you for real? She's mine. And protects the guilty from the other guilty. Because they were guilty too. There's nobody that he ever walked up on that didn't leave absolutely marketably better. So what would Jesus do for you today? This is what we pray. Every, Every single morning in the worship team, we get here and we pray and we pray and we pray for you. We're like, Lord, when they come in, everything changes and they leave way different. Because that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. You come to Him and you're a leper and you just in a second you're clean and your skin is like baby skin. He upbraided them because they were here. So the two things that you'll... If you get rid of from your heart and your life, and you'll never, ever, ever be scolded by Jesus or His pastor, 
is you get rid of unbelief and hardness of heart. And I, I can't dive into hardness of heart, but I'll tell you this, that this is a spiritual condition that about 95% of Christians have. Osteo-whatever is the hardening of the arteries. Hardness of heart is a spiritual condition that does the same thing to our hearts. We just get numb to stuff. You just get numb to stuff. Well, I know God will heal, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen it happen, so really God doesn't heal. But I'll agree with you because that's what they say at our church. That's hardness of heart. Okay, let me give you a great example. Hardness of heart is you married someone. I've been married to Kay for 20... In fact, June... This is June. In four days... I just fluttered. In in four days, Kay and I have been married for 25 years. Later on, clap for her, because it ain't me. Totally her. I'm going to take her on a trip and tell her. I've been hiding money for like probably a year, honestly. I've been like hiding money for a year. And I'm going to take her. I'm going to take her. I know. She already knows because I told her she's not allowed to do anything on Thursday or Friday in her calendar. And so she already knows. So, hey amen. No, I'm all in K-land. Hardness of heart. See, I know where I'm going. Hardness of heart would be, God gave me K. It's, it's one of the greatest blessings that my Lord has ever given me. Hardness of heart would be for me to be really, really easy to nitpick her and judge her and condemn her and look at her actions and be really... But then some other random person, Stacy, my sister, it's like, oh, well, Stacy has such a great heart and she's so kind and she's so sweet and she's filled with peace and she just carries the love of God. And she's amazing. I know she did that mistake, that thing. She said that thing that one time, but it's just not a big deal. And then Kay says the exact same thing to me. Well, why'd you say that? What do you mean by that? Why'd you send me that text? What do you mean by that text? Nothing. No, I know you mean something. That's hardness of heart. As a pastor, I know this. Familiarity breeds contempt. People get familiar with me as a pastor, and then when I come in with counsel, when I come in with something that the Lord says, they're like, no, you're just Steve. Okay. What do you think they did to Jesus? Because he was supernatural. And natural. This is why the disciples struggled. You need to get this. This is why the disciples struggled. Because they seen Jesus go to the bathroom. If that's offensive to you, just get over it. 
<laughs> they seen they seen Jesus sweat. They seen God sweat. They seen God sleep. Doesn't the Bible say that I am the Lord thy God? I never sleep nor slumber. Jesus, he sleeps and slumbers. This is why they, they couldn't. This is hardness of heart. Hardness of heart would be, you know, one of the greatest release of grace in my life is my wife. My wife can walk up to me and speak something to me. And if I'm humble, she can say things that radically affect the rest of my life. Or I can be super prideful. Hebrews 13, uh, uh, Proverbs 13.10, I can be super prideful and get in contention with her because she said something and I misinterpreted it on purpose. Because I always take things to the negative. I know I'm the only one. All y'all are way too holy to do that. But sometimes I take stuff to the negative like immediately and it was never meant to go to the negative. It was actually meant to go to the positive, but I took it to the negative. Now I'm in a fight with somebody that I wasn't supposed to be in a fight with. <laughs> kind of quiet up in here. Maybe I'm not the only one. Hardness of heart desensitizes you. What's a callus? This is what happens to your heart. I'm teaching, I'm up here preaching about the grace of God. I'm up here preaching the gospel. I'm preaching about the love of God. I'm preaching about healing. Ah, I've heard that before. No, no, no. No. Don't you dare callous your heart to what the Lord wants to do in you. There are times that I've, I have literally listened to sermons, messages, literally three to five hundred times before. Because I know that there's still stuff in there that I haven't got, and I am not going to let my heart get hard and get chewed out by Jesus for a hard heart. So most people's great commission has a great omission. Most people's great commission has a great omission. He fussed at them over unbelief and hardness of heart. And then part of the fuss was to tell them what to do. So if you're struggling with anything I'm saying about maybe a little unbelief in your life or maybe a little hardness of heart in your life, Jesus has a solution to it. Part of his fuss was what you needed to physically do to go and change the problems that he got fussed at. And he... Uh, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go! <laughs> some of the reasons that some of us have all the problems we have in our life is because we don't go. You know, if you're, going, if you're busy about the Lord's business, you tend to not really think about all the problems in your life. Amen. If you're solving a bunch of other people's problems, you don't even really realize that you've got a bunch of problems. The most people that I have to deal with that super duper struggle with all the things that are wrong in their life are people that don't have jobs that sit at home all day long and listen to Facebook and news and all and as the stomach turns and you wonder why your life is so jacked up because all you do is sit around all day long thinking about you. If I sat around all day long thinking about you, I'd be depressed too. <laughs> but I'm going to think about him. Amen. And I'm going to do what him wants me to do. So I don't have time to sit around and think about me. I don't have any idea how much money I have right now. I oftentimes I don't even know how my body feels because I'm just doing the thing. I don't stop to like, okay, does is there any pain? Is there is something wrong? 
It's got to like hit me like, oh God, what was that? In Jesus' name, you better go away. I got stuff to do. This is a great thing to walk in divine health. If you really know how much, how important you are and what you need to go accomplish, you'll be super healthy. Moses didn't have time to get sick. Y'all feel me? Like he had to deal with some problems. He didn't have time to be all like, I'm taking a sick week. No, he takes a sick week. Like three million Hebrews kill themselves. Do you, did you see his church? Like Moses had a terrible church. I've got a great church. His church, they were like making golden calves. They're killing each other. They're picking up sticks on the Sabbath. <laughs> terrible church. <laughs> like Moses couldn't have a sick day. He just walked in divine health. You're busy about the, go! You want to walk in divine health? Go! You go lay hands on the sick, and it just, you accidentally get something that spills over on you. Come on! <laughs> go ye into all the world, and preach the good news to every creature. Practice on the trees. You think I'm being funny. You know, I, start, I learned how to lay hands on people by laying hands on animals and uh, plants. No, for real. I'm being for real. You think I'm joking. I, we had terrible grass in Texas. So I would lay hands on the grass. You know, grass doesn't have faith or unfaith. So if the grass doesn't grow, it's me. <laughs> if the grass does grow, I'm getting somewhere. Amen? Kids. Kids don't basically have any faith or unfaith. You can lay hands on kids and they'll believe you. So if they don't get healed, it's you. And I'm not trying to be condemning or anybody, but like kids, kids believe in a tooth fairy. They believe in Superman. They believe that there's Pegasuses. They believe that stuff. You actually have to tell them there's no such thing as an Easter bunny. And then they get all broke. What? No Easter. What happened on Easter? It has nothing to do with a bunny or eggs. Dear Jesus. It has to do with dear Jesus. <laughs> and you destroy them. Why? Because kids want to believe that stuff. Right. Hey, you know, Jesus died on the cross. And part of His atonement for you is that you get to be healed. You know what your kids will say? Okay. I don't want to be sick. Right. You know what most adults will say? No, 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 no. But. I would rather be sick than do your weird spiritual stuff. I'm tell, I've had hundreds of people tell me no. Hundreds say no. Don't lay hands on me. Hardness of heart. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believes, or to every creature, he that believes and is baptized. The word baptized means immersed. Immersed. Saturated. He that believes and is saturated with belief. We always look at this like water. There's lots of things you can be baptized in. In fact, Hebrews chapter 6, I'm not going to get there today because I am done now. I'm done like four minutes ago. God, what the... There are baptisms. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, there are baptisms. There are plural. You can be baptized into Christ 
that's talking about the new birth. You can be baptized into Jesus. People have literally have doctrinal wars over, do you baptize in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yes. <laughs> Ignorance. You can be baptized into Jesus. That's talking about Jesus, his nature. Okay, when you, the word name in the New Testament means nature, it means essence, it, mean, it means honor, and it means authority. Name doesn't mean name like what we think, like you say, Steve, and I turn my head. In the Bible, name means nature, authority, essence, and honor. Nature, authority, essence, and honor. So when you immerse someone in the nature, authority, and essence, and honor of Jesus, now you're following me. It's not about water. You know how many people that were baptized in water and the only thing they got out of it was wet? Because they weren't actually immersed into anything. Amen. There's a ton of people that I cannot wait to... We're going to have a baptism service. I think it's next month. Is that, is that the... Next month is our Konania every year, and we'll have a baptism service. And if you'd like to be actually baptized in water and allow that nature and that essence, you are welcome to come and participate with that. For some of you, I already am planning on holding you down until the bubble stop. Because that's the only way we're getting there with you. Amen. For some others, it's like, bah, bah, pow, glory ball, and shoo. some of you others, it's like, come on, come out of him. <laughs> he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not is damned. Does God damn you? No. You're damned. Because you're still living in the old life. The old life is condemned and damned. That's what John chapter 3 said. Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might live. But the world is condemned already. John 3.16 is great. John 3.17 is really cool too. But read John 3.18. It tells you why John 3.16 is in the Bible. All right. uh, Real quick, go to 17. And then we'll real quick go to 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs. There's, there's signs of what you believe. You are a walking billboard of what you believe. Your mouth is a talking billboard of what you believe. I can't stop there. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my nature, essence, character, and authority, they will. If you haven't, you should. Cast out a devil. No, 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 there ain't no devils anymore. (laughs) Oh, God bless your, you sweet little pudding heart. (laughs) Most of the people that don't believe there's devils, you probably got one. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, take that back. Christians don't get possessed. They just get oppressed. The difference is not much. You can cast out devils. There's actually still devils. They're not all in Africa by the Amazon River. 
There's a ton of them in people's lives. And in the what we do and the what we the way we deal with devils in America today is we send you to a psychologist and they give you antidepressants. And it numbs your demon. (laughs) They shall speak with new tongues. Well, that just means Spanish. Okay, we'll go there for a second. So, if you're a believer, did you immediately learn Spanish? So either you need to start believing, or maybe your little just different language things doesn't fly. It's actually tongues. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the, with the receiving and exercising of the tongues, you are missing a blessing. If it wasn't for tongues, I would have killed half y'all by now. And the other half, I just don't know you yet. Tongues are awesome. And you really need them. And it says here, if you believe, you get them. It's like tennis shoes. Every pair comes with one. Verse 18. Tongues in... They shall take up serpents. This doesn't mean like we go play with snakes. This means that if something comes after you, that you're free from it. This is, this is Acts chapter 28. Paul was minding his own business, picking up sticks, and a viper came out and bit him. You would flop on the ground like a fish and cry and moan and wet yourself and cry for the elders of the church. Paul shook it off in the fire and kept on going. That's, a, that's what happens when you're in faith. If you're in faith, it doesn't matter what. If, if you see a spider on your wall and you lose it, is it getting too personal? All the gals are like, don't look at me. Some of the guys are like, oh, God. For real. If, if something, a dog or, or a snake or, or a spider or whatever, if something like that, you realize like that means that there's fear in you, it shouldn't be in you. I walk around, I go, I walk somewhere between four and six miles almost every day. And I like to walk around town. I hate the winter because of that one reason. Like I got to walk on a treadmill. Talk about inhumanity. Dear Lord, like a hamster. <laughs> anyway, I walk I, and I carry a stick. <laughs> and people in town call it a billy club. Like, why is that guy walking with a billy club? Because dogs don't like walkers and joggers. I've been chased by dogs in about eight states and three continents. <laughs> it's universal. Dog, if you're walking or jogging, dogs think that you're just moving bacon. <laughs> so I carry a stick. I learned like about a decade, uh, 15 years ago, I learned about 15 years ago that dogs don't like to try to eat something that fights back. I had a pack of dogs come after me one time and they were, these were the real dogs like rots and pits or whatever. I mean, they look, you know, what I'm talking about, the dogs that look like they're going to eat you. I had a pack of them come after me one time. I was jogging at 1030 at night down 
Beltline Road in Garland, Texas. Minding my own business. Me and Jesus being a nice person, not doing... I didn't smell like food. I didn't... And they came after me. And I, you know, what would you do? You took off. Because why? Because you fear. That's what we do. And while I took off, the first thought I had was, you're not that fast. And that is not condemnation. I am not that fast. The second thought I had is, you were supposed to rule and reign over all creation. There wasn't any asterisk in that. And I stopped. Mid-sprint. And I could hear the claws of the dogs go, shh. Because they ain't never chased anything that stopped before. <laughs> and they quit barking. And I turned around. And they were, it was like six of them. And they looked at me like, this is a new wrinkle in our plan. <laughs> and I got so... Depending on what part, if you're from the south or from the north, there's certain words that you can say. So it's P-I-S-S-E-D. I won't say it, but I'll spell it. So if you don't know how to spell, then you're probably okay. I got that, but it was like righteous. I don't know if that... If you think that's a cuss word, then whatever righteous version of that that you want to use. And I looked at them dogs. And I'm telling you, the spirit of... A rip dog apart. It was like Samson. You, how dare you? I am my. I am a son of God. Amen. This is my planet. <laughs> I looked, at, and they knew before I knew because they backed up, and I took off after those dogs. <laughs> And I had to pick one, because they, they were done. They were a pack coming after me, but when I went after them, they were, oh, you're on your own, bucko. And I picked one, and I was chasing it, and it was yelping. And I'm telling you, if I would have caught that thing, I would have torn it apart. And if you're a dog lover, you just God bless you. I would have torn it. It came after me. Like, I didn't start to fight. I would have torn it apart. I could imagine someone looking out their window at 1045 at night, seeing this guy chasing a dog. Sprinting after a dog like, that's a new sport. (laughs) You should be that way about things that come after you. You can take up serpents. You don't have to just, oh God, something happened to me. I guess it just is. No! If something comes after you, you don't have to fall under its effect. You don't have to be fearful of it. It doesn't have to take away from you anything. If you drink any deadly thing. They used to try to poison Christians back in the early church days. Just get rid of them. Poison them. They'd poison wells. And they'd live. And they're like, dang it. (laughs) Why? Because the Christians believe this. Do you believe this? Yes. I don't know. Do you wear a mask? No. Do you wear rubber gloves? No. Do you do six foot distancing? No. Somebody believes it because that's why they do all that. Right. Right? Yeah. 
Because if you didn't believe that a virus could get on you, you wouldn't do stuff to keep a virus off of you unless your boss makes you, and in that case, you're free. You're welcome. (laughs) And it shall not hurt them. This is literally Luke 10, 19. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and maybe something will happen. Good luck, like, oh, craps. You don't get healed. Like a lotto ticket. Because a lot of people pray that way. Lord, if it be thy will, let me be healed. (sighs) Stupid lotto. Well, I'll play it again. (sighs) I never win these things. Yeah, just like your prayer life. It's God's will. He took stripes. It's His will for you to be healed. That's His will. All the time. Everybody. And He told us to go and do that. To go, us to be the carriers of His will into our land and to release that into people's lives. And they shall recover. God said that. I didn't say that. God said that. If you want to argue with someone about the recovery part, call him. I'll guarantee you, like, you're not going to get a different answer. Because he already wrote this, and this is what he thought. We lay hands on. You know, this takes a lot of pressure off of you. You just, and now it's not up to you. But really, honestly, you already broke through. Because the average Christian won't do that. Hey, are you sick? Yeah, I've been feeling whatever, whatever. Can I uh, lay hands on you and declare God's will of healing over you? Sure, if you want. Now you can be like, well, good, I did my part, God. You did the recover part. I'm doing the lay hands part. Right. And you'll be surprised. It'll shock you how many people get healed. Right. When you don't try to be the healer. Right. Right. Jesus said he wasn't even the healer. He said, everything I do, I just see the Father do it. It's the Father in me. He does the works. Right. You can just say the same thing. I can't heal nobody, but the Father in me, he can do the works. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. So I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have Jim come up here, and I'm gonna have uh, Pastor Bob and Pastor Paul and Craig, if you can. And these are guys, and I I didn't pick guys because I'm like anti-gal, or so. Please don't assume stuff about me. If you have a question, just ask me. This happens all the time in church. I don't understand. Anybody in here, if you want my cell phone number, I'll give it to you. Anybody out there, you want my cell phone number, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go ask people who ask people who ask people about what I'm doing or saying or thinking. If you have a problem with something I say, ask me. Don't ask someone else. Six, the Bible in Proverbs, it says six things does the Lord hate. And seven are an abomination to him. Guess what the seventh thing is that makes the hate things into an abomination? He who sows discord among the brethren. If you're sowing discord among the brethren, you went from doing something that God hates to literally doing an abomination. In, in, in context, an abomination in the Bible is bestiality. So if you want to sow discord among the brethren, that's equivalent to bestiality. Okay, good. Now we dealt with that. 
So these, it's not because they're guys, it's not anything like that. These are elders. They've been with me for a long time. I know that they've had a lot of success in this, and so this takes all the pressure off of you. So if there's something going on in your soul or your body, these guys are going to handle it. Do not bring up here any hardness of heart or unbelief. Amen? And then you can just receive. Amen? All right. So if that's you and you need ministry of any kind, you're welcome to come up. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of this precious, life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon. Thank you.